Welcome to Demolition Digest, a look back at some of the key stories that we've covered on Demolition News Radio in the past seven days. In this episode, a new benchmark in demolition training, cybercrime and hacking, insomnia, and mental health and suicide. But we start by looking back at our interview with Richard Dolman of AR Demolition as his company sets another new standard in demolition training. As people in the industry know, we're big into our training. We have been for since since we got going really. We, we've recognised that there is a shortage of skills in the industry and even if people are skilled, do they work how we want them to work? It's almost becoming a brand in the AR way and it's very difficult to find and it's very difficult to get people to buy into what we're trying to do. And we've sat down and looked at it and we actually sat and looked at what we've done in the past but on a, a lot more unofficial basis as in we have taken in blank sheets of paper and sat them on a machine and said this lever does that, that lever does that, work in that corner and, and do that and they've shaped up to be the best operators we've got. We've bought two CAT320 machines but that's just the start of it when we buy machinery the important thing to us is the work tools. We've bought a full range of work tools, two selector grabs two pulverisers, one scrap shear, one hammer and we've got a magnet coming as well. So we've got a full range of tools with the machines, all Caterpillar and also we've, we believe we're the first in the UK to buy Caterpillar's Auto Connect which is the hitch type system that connects all the oil pipes etc as we're all used to seeing more commonplace in the industry now. Cat machinery is good machinery, we all know that. Why not? But the really attractive thing that CAT could offer us, and, and this is, we have certainly committed to the oil quick, there's no doubt about it, but there, there's, there's actually two reasons we've not gone with oil quick on these machines. One is it's CAT's own, the attachments are CAT's own, so if there's ever any warranty issues or anything like that, it's nobody can sit there and say, it's him. Um, so it's, it's all a one-stop shop. So you know you're getting the right work tools married to the right machinery. In theory, it should all be set up correctly. But the other thing, nothing to do with the product, is with these being apprentice machines, it's being a reasonable size organisation now, you know and I know, it'll be, we need a shear on that job, we've not got one. Ah, there's the one on the apprentice machine, go and get the shear off that. Bit of the reason of putting a different itch on is so nobody can go and nick the attachments to use in other parts of the business away from the apprentices. I'm, I'm committed to these apprentices having the right kit and having it there all the time to sit and learn. And then once we get them going, they're just sticking them on a machine is only literally half of it really. Because the way we've done it is we've bought two machines, two sets of work tools, but we've also given every apprentice a van, and a new van, kitted out with tools and equipment. So what they're going to do is, there's four, the intake's four apprentices, it'll be four weeks on a machine, four weeks off. And the structure that we've designed and built for the four weeks off 
is going to include some classroom work, work on the simulator that we've, we've got in-house. They're going to learn operators' manuals. They're going to be tested on operators' manuals. They're going to be learning guidance notes, tested on guidance notes. And then we're doing things like they're going to spend one of their four-week periods with our mechanic. So doing some basic maintenance on machines. They're going to spend time with the low loader, so they understand what that's about. They'll spend time with the crushing team, understand what crushing's all about. So the theory is, is when they're not on the machine, they're going to learn bits about all the other parts of the business that they'll ultimately be involved in when they become a skilled operator. Traditionally, it's put the apprentice on that beetle machine and give them the oldest van. And I'm trying to flip it on its head. Whereas, here's a brand new machine, here's a brand new van, part of your job is to look after it. And if you don't, then I'm sorry, our apprenticeship's not for you. This is a colossal investment. I'm, I'm not shy about it. It's, it's all by the shouting, it's a half a million pound investment. It's a huge investment, but I think that's exactly what it is, is an investment. It is annoying that you, you know, we could make this investment and there's nothing to stop those members of staff going elsewhere, so the investment's in, in theory dead. I suppose ultimately we've got the responsibility to grow our own, and that's how I like doing it. I would like a bit more support with it because we're a tax-paying, levy-paying organisation. There are people committed to training. I don't think there's that many that are committed on the level that, that we are, so do people get a fair crack? To me, this is just the beginning of, of what I want to do. I've got a vision of bringing up and training through all disciplines, and I mean it on every level. You know, that's not, not just plant operatives, not just site managers, not just guys doing the, you know, the, the, the dirty end, the stripping out, that type of thing. We've got administration people, we've got surveyors, we've got estimators. The electronic era, as you've seen, we're doing the electronic method statements, animations, it, it's endless. You know, it's clever people in the industry. Um, we need to, we've, we've got to train them. What other industry can do what we do and do it so quick? It's a fast moving industry. But I have a vision of apprentices in every discipline in the business. In a week in which the construction industry in the UK gathered to discuss the issue of mental health among its workers, we also took an opportunity to take a look at this delicate subject. The mental health statistics for construction revealed in a recent survey show that this industry fares far worse than the national average. Of the 1,139 people who filled in the construction news survey, 55% had suffered mental health issues at some point in their life, with 42% suffering them at their current workplace. More worrying still is that approximately one in four had considered taking their own lives. These statistics are more than double the national averages and may reflect working patterns and a demographic. Construction and demolition workforces are transient. People often travel many miles to remote locations and even different countries to deliver projects. But this can put workers under enormous mental strain. Travel times of over five hours and expectations to be on site for 8am on a Monday morning are massively inflexible and often unachievable. Combined with the male-dominated nature of construction and demolition, the industry workforce is less likely to be open about their feelings and to ask for help. Men don't talk about this stuff at all, says Bam Nuttall CEO Steve Fox. 
One of the big things we need to do is to make it safe for people to talk about men. This view was I have touched upon mental health issues numerous times in the past on both Demolition News and in the Demolition Magazine and for good reason. I have seen suicide up close both figuratively and literally. When I was a child, probably 12 years old, a guy threw himself in front of a train right beside the field where I was playing football. That's the kind of image that stays with you a lifetime. More recently, my former business partner took his own life in the midst of a depression. He was father to six children and happily married. I personally spent much of 2015 swallowing happy pills following the death of my best friend in a motorcycle accident. We'd gone to primary and secondary school together. For a short time we worked together and for various reasons he also lived in every house that I've ever owned for periods of a week to six months. His death hit me hard and it coincided with my father being taken seriously ill and my youngest son heading off to university. I suddenly found myself constantly distracted, constantly sad and deeply lonely. The slightest thing could send me into a dark spiral and tears seemed to be plotting their escape from my eyes pretty much constantly. I've never shared this before, but you know, in for a penny you One morning I was scheduled to attend a demolition industry event in London. I showered, put on a suit and tie, packed my camera bag and set off. I took the train to the correct station and I walked up to the front door of the venue, but I never went in. I just couldn't face people that day. And so I found myself sitting on a bench on the embankment for something like seven hours. I didn't eat or drink. I didn't speak to anyone. And when I went home, as far as my wife was concerned, I'd just been to another boring conference. Following several consultations with my GP, most of which began and ended with questions about the likelihood of me hurting or killing myself, I was put on a course of happy pills and sent for group counselling. That counselling was an abject failure, and to this day I'm not sure whether the happy pills helped or whether I just snapped out of the black mood that had fallen over me. With the benefit of hindsight, I can see that even though I needed it, I didn't reach out for help. I don't remember ever thinking that such a plea might make me appear weak or less manly, but for whatever reason, I opted to suffer in silence. Thankfully, my wife had different ideas. Unbeknown to me, she was in regular contact with several of my friends, including several from the demolition industry. I was blissfully unaware that it was all part of a grand plan, but I was suddenly receiving phone calls that seemed designed purely to encourage, praise or reassure. Some offered me work that, looking back, they could have done just as easily themselves. But this was part of a grand conspiracy to keep my troubled mind occupied and to provide me with some much-needed financial income while my brain sorted itself out. But my case was different. My mood impacted only in word form. And looking back at some of the writing I did during that time, I can actually see the anger, sadness and bitterness between the lines. It doesn't make for pretty reading. But all I did was ruffle a few industry feathers along the way. For a demolition or construction professional working away from home, surrounded by public surrounded by people and yet profoundly lonely, the outcome could be a whole lot worse. Now regular listeners will know that I always finish these shows with the words, thanks for listening. In the context of a radio show or a podcast, 
It's a meaningless expression, a throwaway remark, a neat device to bring things to a conclusion. But in the context of mental health, listening could be the key to saving a fellow worker's life. And so, if you think one of your colleagues is struggling, take a moment to hear what they have to say. And sincerely, thanks for listening. In the past week, Demolition News was taken off air by a concerted and malicious cyber hacking attack. This is something that we covered in a couple of episodes. So sit back and while you're listening over the weekend, worry about your own cyber security. For reasons known only to my brain, I have suddenly and belatedly become an early riser. Regardless of the day of the week and regardless of the current workload, I am now awake at 5.30am every morning. Now that's generally fine. I've told myself that it gives me a head start on the day and it's allowed me to record the daily episode of Demolition News Radio so that our UK listeners can tune in on their way to work. But no such luck this morning. Oh sure, I was awake at the usual 5.30 and I was at my desk before 6 but any hopes I had of being productive were quickly dashed. First off, it appears that a gremlin has crept into demolitionnews.com over the weekend. While the site is still live, every story is suddenly taking an eternity to load, particularly if you're reading it on a mobile device. We've emailed the web host and we're working with our web team to resume our usual service just as quickly as possible. Now, of course, this being a Monday, my first job would normally be to be to hit the big red button marked Send to distribute our weekly email newsletter, This Week in Demolition, to our subscriber base but there seemed little point in directing our readers to a web link that might take several minutes or longer to load. And so we've hit the big green button marked postpone instead, Uh, well at least for now. We've not been idle however. While Demolition News is refusing to play ball, we've already uploaded a pair of new videos to our YouTube channel. One on the subject of Demolition News Radio, and if you're listening to it you're already a convert, and the other, more importantly, our latest business briefing film in conjunction with market intelligence provider, The Builders Conference. If you want to start the week on a positive note, I strongly suggest you go take a look at the new film. £11 billion in new contract awards in what is traditionally a quiet month sets a new monthly record for the BC Live League table and will make welcome news to anyone that, like me, had seen the dark clouds starting to gather on the financial horizon. Given my current inability to sleep beyond a time normally reserved for cockerels, I was reminded of a story on the importance of sleep I'd read on the blog of health and safety experts Veritas Consulting a few months ago. And since there's little else to do at six in the morning when your website is crumbling around your ears, I thought I would dig it out to share it with you. The story goes as follows. For the second time in almost a decade, demolition news has been hacked. Thankfully, no real damage has been done. The site has become painfully slow to load, particularly for readers using mobile devices, but all the information is safe and sound. Following a previous attempt several years ago, we took the precaution of storing the email addresses and contact details of all our subscribers off-site. Those details are untouched, and our readers' details are safe and secure. The hundreds of videos, thousands of photos and millions of words are all safely backed up too. Although the very thought that ten years of work could have vanished due to the malicious actions of another still makes me shudder. This incident serves as a timely reminder of the importance of cyber security. 
Not long ago, I attended the annual meeting of the Combined Industry Theft Solutions Conference at the JCB World Headquarters. Much of that conference was aimed at reducing physical theft, theft of plant and equipment, theft of scrap metals and theft of fuel. Perhaps the, the starkest warning of the day came from Charlie McMurdy of PricewaterhouseCoopers. According to her, cybercrime had already hit a quarter of a million UK businesses at a cost of more than £400 million. Her final comment was the most chilling. If you think you haven't been hit by cybercrime, you're looking in the wrong place, she said. And speaking of crime prevention... With Charlie McMurdy's warning still ringing in my ears, and having now been hit for a second time, I've dug through the archives to find a demolition news article that we produced in conjunction with insurance specialist Square Mile Broking. You can read the entire article in issue 13 of Demolition Magazine, which you can find at issue.com, that's I-S-S-W.com. But here's a brief summary. The majority of businesses today rely heavily upon computers and its software, as well as the internet when dealing with digital data. With this increasing reliance, there is a direct correlation with the threat of cyber attacks, hacking, malicious attacks, stolen data and stolen laptops. On top of this, there are online attacks, system failures and employee negligence that are all equally as damaging. To date, there has been a misconception that it is really only a problem for larger corporations. The figures, however, don't back this up. In fact, it is thought that more than 60% of small businesses have suffered a cyber security breach. Many companies think that no one is interested in their data. However, a company's reputation with suppliers, customers and its own staff would be at risk if its data was, seen, was deemed to be poorly secured. On top of this, new legislation places greater emphasis and responsibility for companies to fully protect their data. Now is the time for businesses across the UK and across the world to ensure that they are fully aware of the tactics and options available to them to help defend themselves in cyberspace and guarantee they aren't faced with heavy costs to their bottom line and reputation, both of which go hand in hand. Stay safe online and thanks for listening.